Again, glad that you're here today. Glad that you made the effort to be here. I want to encourage you every single week to be thinking about who you can invite. Every week, who can you invite to our Thursday men's lunch? Uh, for sure, the best lunch in town. For sure, the best price in town. Uh, again, a good time of fellowship. And, and hearing what God has said it looks like to be a man who endeavors to follow Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you. Be thinking about who you can invite. Why don't we tell them thanks for our lunch today? What a great job on our enchiladas. Today we're going to be continuing along in the book of 2 Peter. We just barely got started last week. We finished up 1 Peter. We moved to 2 Peter. We barely got started last week. We looked at just the first verse. And today we're going to continue and we're going to move along in our verses. Today, as we continue on, as we move on, it is a, it is a big, big, big deal that we're going to look at today. Today we're going to see a big, big truth for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, uh, there may be no greater truth that we need to get in 2017 that we need to embrace and that we need to put into action in the age that we're living in in 2017. So again, a uh, very, very, very big truth that we have uh, to, to see as followers of Christ today. Uh, today, Peter is writing this letter to people who are going to have to stand for their faith uh, he's writing this letter to people who are going to suffer greatly for their faith. Peter, who's writing it himself, is going to be crucified. Uh, he is writing this letter to people who are going to have a lot of pressure applied on them to leave their faith or to change their faith. And, and sometimes we miss that. All this persecution was really just an attack to leave the faith or to change the faith or to water down the faith. And, and so these people are going to be in a battle against a bunch of things. They're going to be in a battle against false teachers. They're going to be in a battle against a culture that hates them and tries to, to lure them to leave. They're going to be in a battle, really, and sometimes it's just against themselves, against their flesh and their desire to sin and, and the constant battle that's there. They know the right thing to do, but their desire is to do the wrong thing. And so we see these folks, here they are, they're standing for the truth, they're going to be persecuted, uh, it's going to be a battle, they're going to have to fight against their flesh, and really it's an uphill battle that they're facing as he writes the start of this letter. Today, in 2017, we have to battle. And you think about the things we're battling today in 2017. We, we have to battle false teachers today. And I've, I've said this for some time. There's never been an age when there have been so many false teachers who have the opportunity to be, to be heard. And so we have to battle against the false teachers. And, and we have to decide what is the truth. We, we have to battle against a culture that hates us. And I, I truly believe there's never been a time, especially in our nation's history, when Christians have been so reviled, have been so hated. Uh, not only that, but it's a culture that not only hates us, but a culture that wants to lure us away and to, to draw us into the things that they would say, this is what success looks like, and, and these are the things you need to be happy, and this, this is the job, and these are the things, the materialistic things you need to have. And it's a battle against that culture. It's also a battle against ourselves. And sometimes we get so, so camped out on thinking about all the attacks, the culture, all the things against us that we forget we have a battle going on within ourselves. We have sinful desires and, and we, we have to do the right thing. And, and, and we, we know what that is, but sometimes our desires lead us to do something else. And we have to stand as well. Well, in all of that, today Peter is going to tell us the key. Actually, he's going to tell us the key to that. 
You're going to battle the culture. You're going to battle your old nature. You're going to battle the false teachers. He is actually going to tell us what we need to do that. That's why this is a big lesson this week. Uh, That's why you're going to want to listen this week. He's going to tell you the key to fighting those battles. We're in 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to encourage you every week, if you have a Bible, bring your Bibles. We go through our Bible study. 2 Peter chapter 1. Today we're going to look at verses 2 and verse 3. I'm going to read those two verses and then we'll come back and look at them. Verse 2 and verse 3. says this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now, the first thing to understand, those are the two verses. We're going to look at them separately. But the first thing to understand is this. This is talking, these verses are talking to Christians. And so I want to tell you, the first thing that we need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The first thing we need to do is to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe there's some of you here today and you've never taken that first step. You know what? Our starting place is to put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Again, this was written to Christians. Uh, The end of verse 3 says, those called for His glory and excellence. And so understand, this is talking to Christians. If you're here and you've not had a settled faith in Jesus Christ, that's the first step. But for those who've put their faith in Jesus Christ, these are the instructions. Again, talking to Christians. Now, let's go to verse 2 and let's, let's look at it very closely. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Very, very Uh, Packed words, a lot to understand. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now what, what Peter says here is this. We need the grace and peace of God. If you're going to battle against yourself, your old desires, if you're going to battle against a culture that hates you, if you're going to battle these false teachers that are surely coming, he's saying to to live as a Christian, what we need is the grace and the peace of God. Grace. Grace, in a general sense, means giving what you haven't earned. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. Somebody gives it to you. In this case, God gives it to you. Uh, In a specific case here, this is talking about God's favor given to us or or God's blessing, God's help given to us. Now, we didn't earn those things, but he gives us his blessing. He gives us his favor. And so we need the grace of God to operate in these days. Now, that's, that's just an easy thing to understand. We as Christians need God's grace. We cannot do this alone. It's not doable in our own power. We need the grace of God. Then it says, Peter says this, we also need peace. Peace. To battle against those things, to stand as a Christian in these days, we need peace. Now, peace means a settled peace. It is referring to a peace of mind or a peace of heart. Now, I want to explain this because it means means a lot here. It is the opposite of strife. 
It is the opposite of contention. It's the opposite of anxiety. It's, it's really the opposite of unsettledness. Uh, if, if you think about a time in your life when you have angst in your mind, you have angst in your heart, there's an unsettledness in your mind, there's an unsettledness in your heart. This is the opposite of that. Um, in, in, in its basic sense, I think this is very interesting, in the Greek, what it truly means is this. When all of the pieces fit together and nothing is missing, everything is there, everything fits, and everything works. And that is, the, that is really the root picture of this word for peace. Think about that for just a second. When it all comes together and everything is assembled and everything falls into place and it all fits, we have peace. That's the picture that it says. You know what? To do these things, we need God's grace and we need God's given peace. Peter prays here. He says it, but he really is praying here that grace and peace will be multiplied to you. That's what it says. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, the word multiplied here is a pretty awesome word. Uh, in the Greek, it means plethuno. That's the word. We get the word for plethora from there. It, it means in abundance. It means to the fullest measure. If there's a scoop, it's a heaped up scoop. If you're backing up with a truckload, it's a, it's a humped over truckload. It is the fullest measure. It really means all that you can get. It is enough, but it's more than enough. It is in abundance. And so he says here, God's grace, God's peace, his prayer is that it would exist in the fullest measure, that it would be running over, that it would be given to us in abundance. But then see how. See how that happens. It says, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. He says that you need God's grace and you need God's peace. And he says these things are going to exist in abundance heaped over for you. But that's going to happen in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, most of the time that we read knowledge, uh, the Greek word for knowledge is gnosis. gnosis. Uh, that is knowledge. That's just a basic knowledge or really to know something. That's what that word is. Well, this is one of two times that that word is not used. This is another Greek word for knowledge uh, that, that means this. It means full knowledge. It means deep knowledge. And so understand what it's saying here. This is more than just to know. This is more than just to know about or have a passing knowledge of something. But this is saying to have a deep knowledge and so the way that you have an abundance of grace, the way that you have an abundance of peace, the way that all the pieces are going to come together and fit together and work together, and the way that that's going to happen in the fullest measure is to have a deep, full knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now hear that again. That's a big deal. The way that you have an abundance of grace, an abundance of peace, to the fullest measure is to have a deep, full knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, moving to verse 3, it's going to continue to build. Seeing, I'm going to read 2 and then read 3 again. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything 
pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now let's look at verse three. It says, seeing that his divine power. Now this is talking about the Holy Spirit of God, God's divine power. His divine power, the Holy Spirit of God, God's divine power, it says, has granted to us. It translates, has given to us. The best translate, the one, translation, the one I like, says, has made available to us. And so the Holy Spirit of God in his dunamis, in his power, has granted to us, has made available to us everything. Everything. It means nothing is missing. Nothing is lacking. We're not looking for something else to have give us God's grace. We're not looking for something else to have peace. We have it all, and God in the power of his divine power through the Holy Spirit has granted it, given it to us. Everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness. What that means is this. Everything we need to live as a Christian, everything we need to stand against the attacks, everything we need to not be trapped by the false teachers, everything we need to not fall into sin and to to look like Christ and to, to live as a Christian, everything we need for all of that, God in his divine power has already granted it to us. We have it. Today, and I think maybe, maybe more than any other time, and it, it seems to be picking up speed, today people act like, and I think we're being made to believe today, that we're missing something. Yeah, we, we've got faith in Jesus Christ, but look how bad our lives are. Look how hard the world is. Look what, look what my health is. Look what my finances are. And so we start to think, you know what? I have to go and find something. I have to search for something that's going to give me more grace and more peace. And you think about all the examples. You know what? We have the word of God, but we need another book. That's what the Mormons say. Add another book. Add two more books to it. You know what? We have the word of God, but we need a different book. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses say. Or or some in in Christian thought will say, we need a a new word. We need an additional word. Or or we need some experience that we can have that's going to bring us a greater power. And that's where we're going to find God's grace and God's peace. And we think today we need something else. Here's the truth. Peter says... God says, we have everything in, now see this, the true knowledge of him. Now stay with me. This is very pertinent for us. How do we have the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord? That's what verse 2 says. How do we have the true knowledge of him That's what verse 3 says. How do we have those things? Listen very carefully. It is through the Word of God, our Bibles. Today, be very sure, we know God through His 
word. We're not looking for another book. We're not looking for a different book. We're not looking for some experience to stack upon it. We know God through his word. And if you want a full measure of God's grace in these days, if you want a full measure of God's peace in these days, and you want them to be multiplied unto you, we have to be a people of the word of God. We have to be a people of the Bible. Listen to me, hear me, and I don't, I don't know how I can say this that would catch a hold anymore, but listen to me, the greatest thing that we need, the greatest thing that we can do today as Christians, and I hope you're listening very carefully, the greatest thing that we can do is to come and to pick up God's word and say, you know what, this is the truth. I'm not looking anywhere else for truth. It is the truth. All of it's the truth. It is without error. This is the standard by which we're going to live. This is how I'm going to set the course of my life. It is totally sufficient. I need nothing else. No further revelation. This presents the gospel, the way that we're going to be saved by faith through Jesus Christ. And God and the power of his spirit has granted it to me. And I need nothing else for life and godliness. We have to say this. I will be a person of it. And what that means is I'm going to read it. We have to read it. We have to study it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to be where it's taught. I'm going to be where it's preached and not some shade of it. I'm going to be where the Bible's preached. And, and more than that, I'm going to take it in. I'm going to read it, study it, memorize it so that I might do it, that I might live it out. Friends, I was watching some statistics the other day. Very, very soon they say, uh, if things do not change, the, the Muslim religion is going to overtake Christianity in America, in North America uh, I, I was looking at some stuff. The average 14-year-old Muslim in a Middle Eastern country has memorized their Koran. That's a book they have. It's from Satan, but it's a little bit shorter than the New Testament. And I, I'll just tell you today, we are failing miserably at this. And, and Peter says here, if you're going to battle the culture, if you're going to battle false teachers, if you're going to battle sinful desires, God's power and God's grace and God's peace comes through his word, the word of God. We have to be people of his word. There, there's no shortcut. We have to be people of his word. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm convinced of this. There's not going to be any change until we're people of his word. Oh, I wish the, the church would change. Church isn't going to change. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a revival. We, oh, that there will be a revival sweep across our land. There's not going to be a revival. There's not going to be a change in your home. There's not going to be a change in your marriage. There's not going to be a change in your life. What about our nation? Oh, that our nation would change. Our nation's not going to change unless we have a revival of the word of God. Peter says three verses in, this is where his grace is. This is where his power is. This is where you're going to find peace. This is where all the pieces are assembled and fit together. We have to be people of his word. Let it start with us. Let it start with you. Go home, read it. Go to work, read it. It's on your phone now. Pull it up and read it. Hey, I'm going to get my wife. I'm going to get my kids. We're going to be where they preach it. We're going to get in a class and we're going to start to break it down and study it. Let it start with you. Nothing will change unless we become a people of his word. Praise God. He gives it to us. 
praise God for his grace through it. I'm going to ask if you'll stand out, lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you were here today. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and first off, we just tell you this. Lord, we are sorry for our sin. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm, I'm sorry for the, the fact that I knew what was right and I did what was wrong. I'm sorry for the ugliness of it. I'm sorry for the rejection and the shame that was heaped on you because of my sin. I'm thankful that the Bible tells me my problem of sin. Thankful more than that that the Bible walks me from Genesis to Revelation to a salvation, a remedy for the problem of my sin through Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that, that you didn't write me off, that you didn't cast me to the depths of hell where I deserve to be, but you came and you paid the penalty for me on Calvary. I'm thankful for grace on top of grace on top of grace, for a, for a Savior that walked to Calvary himself. Everybody turned against him. Everybody left him. They abandoned him. That he walked there himself and they nailed him to a cross and he took my punishment for sin. I'm thankful, Lord. Lord, I'm thankful that you didn't stay dead. And I'm thankful for the greatest display of God's power ever known to man, that you walk out of a grave and you're alive. And the Bible says you appear to more than 500 people and and the world cries out, he is not here, he is risen. I'm thankful for a risen Savior, Lord. I'm thankful that also now that you are still patient, that you're still kind and you're still gracious. And that there are some that do not know you and you give us a commission and a call to lead them to you. I'm thankful that we can do something eternal that matters. I'm thankful that you trusted to people that did not deserve and earn the trust, but that we can see your power on display. Lord, I pray that the starting place would be this, in light of all of that, the gospel, that we would be men, we would be people of your word. Thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, make that our motto. Make us a people of your word. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.